So listen, uh, let's, let's get ready to get into it tonight. Go ahead and take your Bibles out if you have those, or your smartphones, or your iPads, or whatever it is that you're using. Here's one, one thing I want to encourage you guys on, on Wednesday nights. Well, here, let me, let me rewind for just a second. So uh, in my spirit, man, I just felt like the Lord was saying one of the things that we want to accomplish in 2018 is, is for those that are willing and those that want, um, that we want to get some... I want to get some deeper theological roots um, into the lives of, um, of our people. And so tonight, each first Wednesday, we're going to do some, what I'm going to call a little bit heavier lifting. All right, turn to your neighbor and say heavy lifting. Now, I don't mean literal weight, so Ryan, calm down. Y'all, Ashley, take a chill pill. We're not lifting anything tonight, all right? I saw y'all get excited. No, we're not doing that. All right, so, no, uh, what we want to do is do some heavy lifting, um, and so we want to we do some digging, some, so a few things that we can't really necessarily do on Sundays. Sundays are for the unchurched, and, and so we really try to create an atmosphere. We can do that, but man, on some first Wednesdays, uh, we want to do some heavy lifting, so let's get into it tonight. Go ahead and take your Bibles out. You're going to need it because we're going to read a lot, okay? And no, it's not going to be on a TV or a screen. Um, you're going to need something to read on because it's a lot. All right, so uh, we're, jump, we're, we're jumping straight into Romans 9, and here's one of the things that I started realizing, especially over the past couple months, um, as we've been, as I've been navigating certain circumstances, and some of it has been with some of you, um, some of it has just been with people outside of TC, but one of, some of the things that I started to notice um, is that although we have a great understanding of where we stand with God, I think some of us don't have a great understanding on how we got there. So what we want to do is I want to do some, uh, some theological lifting tonight and start laying out a foundation. Um, how many of you right now could confidently say that if you were standing in front of someone that was not saved, you could with absolute confidence tell them how they could become saved? Right? Like how many of you are like, uh, I think I would probably fumble around for a good five or ten minutes and then I'd land somewhere. And I don't know if it's the right place, but I'd land somewhere. You know, like what you need to do is take a left at Hardy's and then Jesus and then there was a cross um, and then John had a revelation and then the Big Mac came and and that's how you got a supersized fry. You know what I mean? Like that's not like so, right. So we want to we want to help create a healthy foundation on which we can have uh, theological conversations with others. Here's the deal. Um, Don Carson said this the other day, and he was, uh, or not Tim Keller. Sorry, Tim Keller said this the other day. They were asking him, Tim, what is your fear? And if you don't know who Tim Keller is, like he, to me, he's one one of the greatest. Uh, and most transparent and great communicators and honest pastors um, in the nation. And he said, I feel like one of the biggest downfalls to the churches today is that the people in them don't know how to have theological conversations. Um, And here's the deal. If you can't with assurance answer questions like, how do you know you're saved? Um, Then we owe more to the gospel than just knowing that we're saved. Because if we can't help someone else get there, then we, we are in error to what God has called us to do. Does that make sense? And so tonight, um, we're going to do some digging in Romans 9 um, and John 6, because um, tonight we want to kind of take, we want to create a roadmap um, on one of the things, um, which is kind of a, um, it's a wishy-washy topic for some people, or a controversial topic, I should say, um, and it's, it's called election. Turn to your neighbor and say election. That was very weak. Let's try that again. Turn to your neighbor and say Election. Can I tell you something? You getting saved wasn't an accident. 
I want to let you know now. Can I tell you something else? You getting saved wasn't your idea. All right? So you getting saved wasn't like you wandered into church one day and was like, ooh, I think I'll have some of this Jesus, you know, with a side of grace. Like, that's not how this whole thing works, okay? So um, we want to do some digging in that. So let's let's jump straight in. Paul is talking in Romans 9. So we're just going to start at verse 1. And we're going to, I'm not even going to tell you where we're going to stop because then you'll get angry. All right, so let's just start. (laughs) So it says, I speak the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, those of my own race, the people of Israel. Theirs is the adoption to sonship. There's the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship, and the promises. There's are the patriarchs, and from them is traced the human uh, human ancestry of the Messiah, who is God over all, forever praised. Amen. All right, so what Paul is talking about here, Romans 9, 1 through 5, is he is talking about how he loves Israel. He loves the people of Israel, and that the promise that went out to the people of Israel is still true, and that the Messiah is out of Israel, okay? So God made promises to Israel. God gave promises that was for the nation of Israel, the people of Israel, and that Jesus himself came out of Israel, and that he was Jew, like he was a Jew, right? So just a side conversation, Jewish. Uh, Jesus was not a blonde-haired, blue-eyed California kid, okay? So like, don't believe the, the hype that you see on the internet, right? Like, he was a Palestinian Jew with dark skin, all right? So we need to just be very careful who we tell we don't want in our country. Moving on. Put that in your notebooks, all right? Number, <laughs> verse six, all right? So that is Paul's anguish over Israel. All right, let's, let's keep moving. It is not as though God's word had failed. And what is Paul saying here? Paul is saying it's not though, like, because God made a promise to the nation of Israel. These are my people, right? So this is God says, these are my people. But then he's coming back and saying that not all of them are my people. And so there's confusion, right? Because if all of them are his people, how are not all of them his people? So Paul is saying, it's not though God's word had failed. For not all, say this with me, for not all who are descended from Israel are Israel. So not everyone that is from Israel is of Israel, all right? It'll make more sense. Let's keep going. Nor because they are his descendants are they all Abraham's children, right? So let's backtrack for a second. We remember the promise from God, right? It goes and he says, um, I'm going to bless the nations through who? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? You guys are with me? Like for some of you, I know you haven't been saved long. So you're like, I don't know who Abraham is or Isaac, or Jacob, right? So God says, I'm gonna bless the nations through you, Abraham, and through your seed, which is Abraham, and then Isaac, and then Jacob, okay? So everyone's with me? Let's keep going. So, nor because they are his descendants are they all Abraham's children. On the contrary, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. And so here's, what, here's the first catch-up that I wanna kinda bring to you and bring, in, bring to the surface, right? Um, is if there weren't a means for election, if there weren't a means for the process by which God chooses us, we don't choose him, right? So, So, like, understanding that because God comes to us, God comes to us, he selects us. How many of us wandered into a church and was looking for God, or did God bring an awakening into our heart when we weren't even ready for it? 
right? Let's go back to the story of Paul. Paul's on the road to, or Saul is on the road to Damascus, right? So he's, he's looking for an opportunity to kill and persecute more Christians. And what happens? Homeboy gets knocked off the horse and blinded for three days and has an awakening with Jesus, right? How many guys had a, like the metaphorical blinding for three days where Jesus awoken you to the need of grace in your life, but you weren't necessarily looking for the opportunity to receive it? Why? Because God steps in and his channel is to call those who are his, not wait for you who he desires to call out to him. He looks for the moment to call your name. And this should do a beautiful thing for us when we start talking about the cross, um, because it takes this macro view of the cross and it brings down to a micro understanding. Because here's what most of us think about when we think about the cross, right? We think Jesus in love went to the cross and died for all mankind to pay the price for all mankind, and then some of us are just going to get a shoe in. But that's not what the word says. That means that when Jesus went to the cross, he had your image in mind. And it takes the cross from this macro understanding to this micro understanding that it's not that Jesus just went to the cross with all of mankind in mind. It's that Jesus went to the cross with you in mind. Like, I don't know about you, but that should stir up something inside of you. Like, oh, snap. Like, I belong to him. Like, this isn't just an accident. I didn't just stumble across this deal. Like, before I was formed in the womb of my mother, Jesus had already elected me to step into the moment of grace where my eyes would be open and then I could step into the mercy of Christ. Man, like, that should do something. Like, I don't know about you, my worship changed when that light came on in my head. Like, so it's not just this, Oh, everyone, but no, 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 you. Like, turn to your neighbor and say, you. Like, you in mind, the cross, the passion, the bleeding, the death, and the resurrection was with you in mind. How great is that? Like, I, maybe it's just me. Like, anyways, let's keep going. So, through Isaac, that your offspring will be reckoned. In other words, It is not the children by physical descent who are God's children. So he's talking about it's not just the children that come from Israel that are God's children, but it is the children of the promise who are regarded as Abraham's offspring. Say that with me again. But it is the children of the promise who are regarded as Abraham's offspring. No, why, why does this matter? Well, because we see that a promise comes to Abraham, right? So the Lord comes to Abraham, and he brings a promise to him. Hey, you're going to have a son. Abraham's like, nah, you're tripping. All right, no, that's not really in the Bible, but that paraphrase, right? So he's like, no, nah, that's not going to happen. And so to get his promise, he has another child, right? But it's not the child of the promise. It's the child of the pursuit, So Abraham goes and he has another child because he doesn't believe his wife can have a baby. So he goes and has another child. Now, my question to you is this, because we're talking about election. And if if God were, if, if the promise was to Abraham's seed, right? Because God told Abraham, I'm gonna bless the nations through you. If that were the case, why was Isaac the only one that got the promise? But that's not the promise. He said because that's the one that we're supposed to have. But that wasn't the promise. God gave a promise through your offspring, through you, I'm going to bless the nations. So why wasn't there a cutoff? How come only, why was there a cutoff? How come only Isaac got the promise? And the reality is, the truth is, 
is that the physical genealogy doesn't matter. The promise is what matters. And some of you have been trying to grasp grace in your life, and you can't figure out why you deserve it. You can't figure out why God chose you. Guess what? You don't need to figure out why God chose you. God chose you. Walk in the grace afforded to you. You keep looking in the mirror telling yourself you're not worth it. You keep looking in the mirror and talking about how, I don't know why God would do this for me. I'm such a screw-up. I'm such a bad person. I keep doing this. I keep, I keep going around and around with this particular thing in my life. I keep going around and around with this thing in my life. Listen, you don't have to understand grace to walk in it. I don't know about you guys, I don't know how gravity works, but let me tell you what's going to happen if I jump off the roof of this building. It's called a crater. No, I'm just kidding. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm coming down off the roof of this building whether I get it or not. And we have been trying to wrap our head around grace, and we've been trying to wrap our head around why salvation comes to me. And guess what? You don't need to understand why salvation comes to me other than the fact that God chose to bring salvation to you. And Well, we'll keep going. So you need to understand that God chose to bring salvation to you, but also understanding that it's not necessarily for everyone as much as it is for the one who he chose and you are the one who he chose. I don't know about you guys, but that's powerful. Let's keep going. We're going to pick it up at verse 9. For this was how the promise was stated. At the appointed time, I will return and Sarah will have a son. Not only that, but Rebecca's children were conceived at the same time by our father Isaac. Yet, before the twins were born or had done anything good or bad in order that God's purpose and election might stand, not by works, but by him who calls, she was told. I'm gonna read that again, again. If you're following me, some of you guys, you're probably gonna fall asleep in the next 10 minutes, that's fine. For those of you that are tracking with me, this gets really exciting. I know, but like, this is awesome. So, yet before the twins were born, verse 11, yet before the twins were born or had done anything good or bad in order that God's purpose and election might stand, not by works, so turn to your neighbor and say, not by works. How many guys realize you can't do enough good stuff to earn this thing? Like you can't, you, there's no earning the grace afforded to you. There's no walking in the earning. You can't, uh, you can't open enough old door, or doors for old ladies. Like you can't love this person enough. You can't say enough nice things. You can't post enough of those like share this and God's gonna bless you with a million dollars things on Facebook. Like you, that you can't do enough of those things to earn this. He says, not by works, but by him who calls. She was told the older will serve the younger, verse 13, just as it was written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. What then shall we say? Is God unjust? Not at all. For he says to Moses, and this is the part that we have to grab a hold of right here, because when we start talking about election, the knee-jerk reaction to election is we start to care so much about humanity that we forget about God's purpose, right? So here's, what, here's what the way I wanna put that to you. Again, I, some of y'all are just like, oh, this is not what I had in mind. It's okay, just hang on. Like, just pick up where you can, okay? So here's, here's what I want to help you understand because this is where people have a hard time with this. And when we start having theological conversations, people get hung up on this. But if God, if God only chose some, why did he make everyone? Right, like if, God, like if God chose me knowing that the person over here would not walk in the faith in Christ and therefore would be damned to hell, how come God wouldn't save everyone? How many guys would like kind of track, you can kind of track with that question. If he's only gonna save some, how come he wouldn't save all? 
And here's what I want to help you. You, you got to turn your paradigm of understanding. It's not that God only saves, it's not that God should save some, but he only, or he should save all, but he only saves some. It's that he shouldn't save any. But by the grace of God, he's going to save some. And when we walk in this, we, we tend to walk in this understanding of uh, secu- a secular understanding that humanity is actually like good in its nature. Like people are good people and everyone should go to heaven. Wrong. Like if you go to the godless societies of the earth, you're killed because you look different. Like when we look at godless moments in time, even in our nation, people were killed because they looked different. When we go to godless moments in time in other nations, they were killed because of their heritage. They were killed because of genealogy. Now, even still, there are people groups without the gospel that walk out a secular mentality um, in tribes in Africa that when you show up, if you show up and you're not from the tribe, you just get killed because you're not from the tribe. In other words, where godlessness reigns, humanity suffers. And so we tend to think like, man, no, 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 like people are inherently good. No, people are inherently terrible. Like how many of us would love to have every thought that goes through our mind played on a loudspeaker right behind us? <laughs> like, come on, somebody. Like, oh, God, no, no. We were, playing the, we were playing the would you rather game just the other night, and it was like, would you rather never say anything at all? Would you rather never be able to say anything at all or have every thought that came to your mind had to come out of your mouth? And I was like, I would never say anything at all. You know what I'm saying? Like, how many of y'all with me on that, right? How many of y'all, how many of y'all have some thoughts that just roll through there? You're like, I don't know where this is coming from, but this is not good. <laughs> like, no, bad, down, down. Don't, you know, like, why? Because our humanity and our nature is sinful. Like, we are sinful people. So, man, we see that we tend to overestimate the goodness of humanity when it doesn't exist, God died for a people. And so in 15, he says this, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. It does not, therefore, depend on human desire or effort, but on God's mercy. In other words, it doesn't have to make sense. You can look in the mirror all day long and talk about how bad of a screw-up you are if God chose you. Then you just are screw-up, man. Welcome to the family. You know what I'm saying? Like... <laughs> me and Dave, that's how I feel. Like, so, man, we love some of y'all screw-ups. You know, our family's like a bag of nuts. You know, some of y'all are nuttier than other ones, but, you know, whatever. Like, <laughs> so, so, we, and then we got some Fruit Loops got thrown in the bag, you know what I mean? So, no, I'm just like, but are you guys understand what I'm talking about here is that we have to understand the process because people continually come to us as pastors. They're continually seeking out counsel and they're saying, my cousin doesn't know the Lord or my nephew or my niece or my sister or my father doesn't know the Lord. What can I say for them to get saved? And I'm like, nothing. You can pre- preach the God, like herald the gospel to them continually but there's nothing you're going to say that's going to turn on the light bulb in their head and make them go, by God, I think I'll have Jesus. Like, that's not going to happen. Why? Because the gospel and the heart change that comes through it is all God's idea. Let's jump over to John 6. 
We're going to start at verse 35. Elmi, I do want to encourage you guys with this. Man, when you come on Wednesdays from now on, bring this, a highlighter and a pen, because you're going to forget half of what I said. All right? And we do have a podcast. Thank God for that. Thank you, Kyle. We appreciate your ministry. Um, So we do have a podcast, but man, like, Things are going to come to you. The Holy Spirit's going to speak to you. Like some of the stuff that we have, we lift a little heavier with. You're going to want to write this stuff down, um, especially having to come back to you. So, and do that. We're going to jump John six. We're going to start at thirty five. Then Jesus declared, "I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty." But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe, all right? And so, man, I think that this is a message to the religious crowd. I think this is a message to people that were raised in church. I think people that were raised in church are almost at more of a disadvantage than those that were not, all right? Because they've felt the Holy Spirit, and they've been in atmospheres where God were changing people alive, and they've become immune and numb to it. I'm not telling you not to raise your kids in church. That's not what I'm trying to get at right there. I'm talking about it becomes incredibly difficult to work through that to find who God truly is and not just the religiosity that follows God. Um, and so, man, we have to understand that some of us, um, we can see him, we can see what it looks like to know him, but never actually know him, um, and we have to know him. Um, if, if, if going to church is just your way of making sure you feel better about yourself, hell is still your destination. Yeah, all right. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up in the last day. Right? And and, uh, the different topic there. Uh, another controversial one that we're not going into tonight, but uh, that we, I would lose none of all of those he has given me, but raise them up in the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day, right? I want you guys to read verse 40 with me. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day, all right? And so here's one of the things that I believe people who are in church, people who are saved, and people who are walking out a purposeless life are continually navigating, right? You know Jesus, you know Jesus died for you, you've received the grace and the mercy that comes from him, you are walking out salvation in your life, and you have no purpose, you have no plan, and you have no idea what God is gonna do with you next. And here's the reality, is that you are not walking in the understanding of the election that God God chose you not because you're awesome, but despite the fact that you're not, all right? And so God stepped in, and he raised you up from the ashes like a phoenix, and you can't figure out why. So instead of walking in purpose, you just keep walking in denial. And so God wants you to understand that the election that he chose you, that he raised you up, that he lifted you up, and has brought you into an understanding of grace, and that he is moving you through salvation, and that he is a destination for you to spend eternity with him. But many of us will continue to sit in the stoop in the slumber of depression and oppression because we will never walk in the fact that everything Jesus did, he did it for me despite my mess, not because I'm awesome. 
We keep looking at everyone else thinking they got it together. Like, man, look at, you know, look at Tommy. This dude just got it together. But you don't know the thoughts that may go through Tommy's head. Now, if you hang out with him, you do, because he doesn't let any of them stay in there. You know what I'm saying? But, but no, you, like, we, we tend to look around and we see, man, that person, man, they're just doing great, but you don't understand the battles that they are facing. And we look around and we, man, I, man I just, I'm just not good enough. That person's good enough, but I'm not. And you don't know that they're screwing up just as bad. And so we don't walk in the grace afforded to us We continue to walk under condemnation because here's the deal. If Satan can't get your eternity, which if you're in Christ, he can't. Different topic. If, If Satan can't get your eternity because your faith is already in Christ, then he's gonna get your purpose. Like if he can't stop you from your eternity, then he's gonna stop you from your purpose of helping other people discover their eternity. And man, like what a stronghold the enemy continues to step in and grab a hold of because he can't change the election, but he can change how you walk it out. And man, we need to start grabbing a hold of the fact that, again, you don't have to understand, understand the process. What is the process? Man, that one day I woke up and God quickened me to the need of grace in my life. I don't want you, I always knew there was sin in my life. Before I came to Jesus, I knew there was sin, but I didn't necessarily recognize the necessity of the forgiveness that I needed until he quickened me to the forgiveness that I needed and then showed me grace and mercy and he opened my eyes to the gospel so that I could see who Jesus was in my life. Let's keep going. Picking up at 37, all those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all of those he has given me, but raise them up in the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks at the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up in the last day. Verse 41, at this the Jews there began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. So the Jews are sitting around the table like, man, this dude. Because they had been promised. Like they had been promised, man, the the Savior is coming. Like the Savior is coming. The Savior is coming. There's a Messiah coming. They had been promised. And so Jesus is there, and he's like, I'm that guy. And they're like, oh, God. Any of y'all got that friend? Every time they start talking, you're just like, oh, no. No, don't. Stop. (laughs) Stop. Right? And so they're, they're all sitting there, and Jesus is talking. And so they begin to grumble when he said that. They said, is this not the Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? In other words, like, bro, we were there when you were born. We know where you came from. We know your parents. That'd be like, uh, Alex, where, where you at, Alex? Raise your hand. So we got Mickey over here. We know where Alex came from. So if Alex just started popping off at the mouth, like, hey, I'm, I'm the Messiah. Like, hey, just so y'all know, I'm here to free all of you from your sin. We'd be like, Alex, I don't know what you had before you came in the doors, bro. <laughs> but you need to be careful on these streets. No, I'm just going right, like, <laughs> like to. So th- that's literally what, the, like, they're looking at Jesus like, uh, how about No. Right? Again, just like we talked about a couple weeks ago, they were looking for a king. They were looking for a Messiah. And Jesus is like, I'm it. They're like, wrong answer. So they said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can we now say, I came, or how can he now say, I came down from heaven? 
Jesus responds, stop grumbling among yourselves. I really wish we had a more accurate translation because I really feel like Jesus would have been selling out at that point. Like, yo, shut up. No, I'm just kidding. Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. And this is what I wanted you to get to. This is John 6, 44. And man, um, some of you need to like write this on your kid's forehead or something so you can remember it because this is where it's at. No one, Jesus answers, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. And so this is the exclamation point on the message for tonight to show you that salvation is not your idea. It is God's. And because you have recognized your need of grace in your life means that God has already selected you to join him in an eternity that you get to walk in because you have put your faith in Christ and you are walking out the gospel. He called you. He made you his own. He adopted you. And the Holy Spirit quickens you to the need of grace in your life. And when you recognize the need of grace in your life, we repent of our sins and we put our faith in Jesus. And in that moment, we are saved. Before we get baptized, before we do anything else, in that moment, we are now walking in the grace afforded to us by Jesus Christ and what he accomplished on the cross. And from that point forward, are the mercies are yesterday, the mercies are new today, and they will be new tomorrow so that we can continue to walk in the forgiveness of Jesus towards the eternity that he has afforded to us. And how about you guys? But that is a very encouraging <laughs> message because how many guys are going to mess up tomorrow? Some of y'all are like, I might not. No, yes, you will. And you're going to mess up the next day. I don't know about you guys, but I ain't got it all down, especially if that loudspeaker was playing my thoughts behind me, right? We'd be real honest. Oh, yeah, okay, okay. See that person at work you don't like trying to turn that speaker off. Hey, 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 shh. Why? Because we hadn't arrived yet. How many of y'all walking out that perfect life? I didn't think so, right? So how many of us are going to need grace tomorrow? Raise your hand, right? How many of us are going to need mercy tomorrow? Raise your hand, right? How many of y'all going to need Jesus to help you get through tomorrow? Raise your hand, right? Some of y'all are like, I'm off tomorrow, so I might, no, 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 okay, yeah, yeah, nah. Like, I'm going to need Jesus tomorrow. Like, I need grace tomorrow. I need grace today. I need mercy tomorrow. I need mercy today. I need Jesus tomorrow. I need Jesus today. Why? Because I have recognized that there is nothing about me that is great other than Jesus in me. And Jesus in me can make me great. And so we want to fulfill the purpose. But we can't fulfill the purpose until we understand the process, right? What is our purpose? That we could introduce the gospel to people that need it. What is the process? We understand that God sees us in our sin, calls us while we're in our sin, saves us from our sin, and then adopts us into sonship. All of that happened not because we made a choice, but because God chose us. All right? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight, God, and we just thank you that you have brought us into sonship, that you've adopted us, God, that, Lord, even through um, different ways that you can show us, God, even through Abraham and his seeds, God, you continue to show us that, uh, Lord, you choose those whom 
you will prosper. You choose those whom you will work through, God. And, and so all the promises that you have afforded to us are yes and amen. And so, God, I pray that for those, Lord, that they've been trying to navigate their salvation with an understanding of the gospel, uh, God, instead of an understanding of the process of the gospel, Lord, that you free them from that weight, God, that they can walk in the assurance that comes from a faith in Jesus, that you have saved us, that you have redeemed us, that you have made us your own, God, and that you are now walking us through the process of an understanding. God, I pray Colossians 3 over our hearts today. God, that we would set our minds on Christ where you are seated next to the Father uh, and that we would put our eyes on heavenly things and not be consumed by earthly things, God, but that we would walk out our salvation. We would walk out the gospel in our lives. And so we thank you for that. Lord, we love you tonight, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.